Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. We are going to talk to you first about the very first five things that you need to do in order to get started. All right. So for the first thing that you need to do in order to get started is you need to define what you sell. Okay, and this one I've talked about a lot because it's so critically important. So when I was getting ready to leave PNG, my career coach, Scott Motts, who a little plug also happens to be um, our sponsor. His company, Profound Performance, is our sponsor. Um, He put it to me this way. He said, if you lost your job tomorrow, what IP do you have that can be monetized? And when we say IP, we aren't saying something that is patented. We're saying something that you know or understand or that you do that people are going to be willing to pay for. And this could be something more tangible like website creation or podcast production, or it can be more consulting-based like social strategy or leadership cheating. Either way, you need to figure out what it is that's going to make somebody choose you. Remember when we've talked about branding, you have to define who you are, how you're different, and why do people want you? And this really starts establishing why do you exist? What's going to be your rationale for actually doing business? And this is going to be very, very important and fundamental in the communications you're going to have. Because it actually goes beyond what you do. Um, You know, me and April have a, a marketing and branding agency. We do marketing and branding. But the way that we go about doing it is very different than just doing the work. And it's this unique approach that helps you to define what it is you're going to sell. So do you do it better, faster, cheaper? Does your style of leadership training utilize a novel approach or perspective that is yielded impactful results that nobody has seen? And usually here, we're, we always talk about finding the thing that's a little bit counterintuitive. And that counterintuitiveness really then sparks something different that should give a piece a person another reason to consider you or a way in. Um, so think about really what that is. Um, initially, for me, it was all about brand love strategy and being able to um, develop brand building behind this novel connection of creating brand love. For us and, and forthright people, it's about on-demand marketing, you know, whereas a lot of agencies charge hefty retainers and will you know, charge you that you know, regardless if you're using them or not or using all their services or not. We focus on giving you what you need when you need it. And that's our promise that and, and the forthright promise that we put and that we're going to deliver quality work when you need it. And we're not going to charge you more than what it should cost in order to deliver that work. So these are fundamental things when people think about forthright people, that it's synonymous with who we are. And it's actually what we sell. Yes, we sell good quality branding and marketing work. But we also sell a promise that we're going to do it in a way that's forthright so that what you get is what exactly what you need when you when you need it. Yeah. And I think said another way, it's either your philosophy or your approach to the work. And this has to be really, really strong in order for you to 
define that why am I different point of view so that you can uniquely go sell whatever it is you want to sell. And that has been a huge part of our journey. It even continues to change sometimes or morph slightly. We build upon it, but we always come back to it. And it's also a really good way to start examining business when opportunities come in. You're able to assess whether it aligns with not only the type of work you do, but your philosophy about what you want to sell and who you want to partner with. And it's what people come to expect from you then, too. And it's how people talk about you and share your reputation. And that becomes really critical when you're going to market yourself and you want that word of mouth to spread in a way that builds advocacy for your business and who you are. Absolutely. You want to start having people repeat back to you what your mission was from the beginning, maybe in different words, but to the same point and kind of essence of what it is you do. Yep. Yep. The next one is choose a business name and then set up an LLC and get an EIN. So I'm going to let April take this one. This is a super fun, super dry one, but it is absolutely essential to getting started with your business. Um, So these are kind of the components, if you will, that allow you to legally do business and be able to do things in the long term, like your taxes and all of those types of things. So... A business name, we'll talk a little bit about the journey to that and how to get to that in a bit, but you do have to have that when you want to set up your LLC. So an LLC, once you have your name chosen, is what allows you to do business. So you go to your states.gov site. Ohio even has a downloadable PDF that kind of walks you through this process. And the nice thing about this is right on that site, you can search whether there are other businesses with the same name as you. So this is kind of a you know, shortcut to figuring out whether you're going to have to do some more work on your name or if you have to add something to it. Um, Really, you can very quickly get to, is this available where I am to do business in the space that I want to be in? So you sign up for your LLC, you make sure your name is correct. But for the sake of this podcast, we said we were going to talk about entrepreneurship only. So you're either going to be a single member LLC or an individual sole proprietorship. If you have a partner, there are different options. Um, We don't profess to be lawyers. So this might be a case if you're not totally sure you want to consult a lawyer or an accountant because there are implications when you go to file your taxes and figure out how to claim things and how to pay yourself and all of that. But once you have an official LLC, then you need what's called an EIN. And this is the number that identifies you for tax purposes. We often say this is like your social security number for business because truly that's what it is. Now you no longer use your social security number when you're filing taxes and things. You use your EIN. Um, And all of these forms to do, you know, to get those things set up literally take less than five minutes. The uncertainty can come in when you're not sure exactly the steps or where to go. But we're here to tell you that these are things you should be able to do by yourself. There are companies out there that try to make money on doing it for you. This is a place where we really want to make sure that you don't spend your money doing that. Um, really, it's something you can do quite simply by yourself. And then the final thing you need here, in addition to those, is an operating agreement. You can totally Google. There are tons of them out there. Um, if you know people, they'll share a copy of theirs, likely. I mean, they're pretty dry legal jargon. In my industry, I was able to just pick one up from a friend who had gone on her own. It's all about like rights to work and who owns what and how you're going to work together, all of those types of things. Uh, the operating agreement really 
helps establish you as a business and what you're going to do and kind of proves that you're viable as a company. Uh, If you feel like you're still not sure with the process or maybe it's a little more complicated than you're willing to take on, find a small business lawyer. Again, don't sign up online with some company that has no face and pay them a bunch of money. You might end up needing that lawyer in the long term anyway, and establishing that relationship early on is super helpful. If you need that extra source of comfort, that is what we would recommend. Yeah, and I think to make sure you check with what your state's requirements are for LLC establishment and ongoing renewal. Um, some states require you to pay a yearly fee to maintain your LLC, and some will ask for some level of records in order to demonstrate that you're actually operating a business. Um, also, um, check to make sure that, um, and see if you have to submit your operating agreement. In Ohio, you don't need to. You just need to keep it on record. Everybody who's going to do anything official regarding your business is going to ask for it. So it's definitely something that you need to have, but you don't need to file it. But um, some other states do require you to file your operating agreement and and ask you to maintain it. So uh, take a look at that and just make sure, um, again, on your states.gov site should have all those rules and regulations for how to um, establish and then maintain your, your LLC. All right. So the next uh, item of uh, your entrepreneurial journey checklist is to set up a bank account. Another super dry one. So I'll go ahead and take this. Uh, For accounting purposes, you really need to keep your business separate from all personal accounts. It's cleaner when you file your taxes. It's really easy once you have the LLC and EIN. I mean, I think I went into the bank and spent, I don't know, 30 minutes filling out the paperwork that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't keep it separate, I can just say you might have the best organizational skills in the world. It's going to become nearly impossible to keep things separated from each other, not to mention being able to itemize what everything was and where it goes and all of that. It's just a really slippery slope. So do yourself a favor. Keep it really clean from the beginning. And also, we recommend getting a business credit card for the same reason. Now, sometimes if you haven't been established long enough, depending on the bank, they may either give you like a super small amount that makes it ridiculous to even have the card, or they might say you haven't been in business long enough. If that's the case, then of course, you will have to hold. But if you can get it, do it and keep checking back on that. Um If you're going to have to use your personal credit card, I mean, literally every time you make any kind of transaction, you really need to mark it down and keep it separate. The other good thing about the business credit card is it separates your personal credit score from your business. So it gives you a little bit more protection on there. If anything were to happen with the business, it's not going to be reflected on your personal score. Um, And the other thing we would say is... Set up a plan for how you're going to withdraw money, how frequently, how you're going to pay yourself, how you're going to check expenses versus your salary, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, for Ann and me, we'll get into our bookkeeping in a little bit, but we just monthly reconcile and uh, take care of the expenses and then go ahead and pay ourselves. But you do want to keep track of that as well and be really diligent and also think about whether you're going to pull some stuff aside to invest in the business. So all of this should happen within your business accounts only. And like we said, if at all possible, make sure they are entirely separate. Yep. I totally agree with that. It's just going to be easier from the long run and it's going to make everything so much 
smoother to be able to document and then um, track and then present uh, at tax time. So absolutely agree. The next one is reserve the domain name and establish a company email. So the one other thing you should be doing as you're contemplating your name, and we're going to talk about this in a second, is you always need to Google it, all right? So you Google it for a few different reasons. One, to see what other businesses might be associated with your name. So as you start marketing, you're going to see um, the level of SEO or SEM you're going to have to do. So search engine optimization or search engine marketing in order to uh, make sure people can find you and find you easily. Um, but you also want to make see if anybody actually has the name because that may impact whether or not you actually choose that as your company name. So it's just a good uh, check for that uh, in order to make sure that you have a name that's free and clear and that you can build a brand around that it's not going to be hijacked um, or that when you go file your LLC, uh, you're going to be rejected. So um, we use GoDaddy as our domain provider. There's other providers too, but that's the one that's been working well for us. Um, and you, I would just suggest going in and just, even if you're not going to use it right away, just buy it for a year. It's usually not that expensive if it's a very um, nondescript name. When you start adding some numbers and some other specific words, it can get very expensive. But if it's nondescript um, and, and nonspecific, it actually is very affordable. We're talking maybe $100, $150 for the whole entire year. And so then you own it, and then nobody else can take it. Um, you can also get email with your site, which we highly suggest, and we do as well. It makes it look a little bit more legit versus just using a, G a generic email account. And what this does is when you're starting to market yourself and you're starting to network um, with other people, there's a level of credibility associated with that. It's like, hey, this this person is actually, you know, doing this for real. Um, and now, can you also make engagements with a Gmail account and Yahoo account? You can. But for a few dollars extra to have your name associated with your actual business, it just adds so much more credibility. Yes, exactly. I, I would say, you know, very honestly, I didn't do this when I started Threadly uh, on my own. I did use my Gmail for a while. And I don't know why I didn't do it because I always felt like I kind of cringed when I would send a note from my Gmail account, even though my Threadly, you know, logo and title and all of that was in the signature. It just felt like a disconnect that was a little bit unnecessary. And so this is one where Anne jumped right in right away. And as soon as we had our name, I was like, OK, I'll go reserve it. Um, and I was like, oh, Okay, that's one thing that I don't have to look into and that now I can, you know, just have that a little more professional and I don't have to give that pause every time I go to send something. And it works, you know, especially if you're going to have other partners or other people are going to work from underneath your business because you can assign them an email as well. And so you all look like you're coming from the same business. Otherwise, it would have been April from her Gmail and from my Gmail and we're trying to sell, you know, forthright people. It's just it's it's too confusing for folks. So it's not that expensive. We highly suggest it. The next thing you need to do is you need to establish an office, right? So many of you, and I, and I say office in air quotes, because many of you are likely working from home right now. Um, but for some reason, when entrepreneurs are starting out, they all feel like they need to have some place to work. And even this was before COVID as well. A whole, like a, an office, an actual office space puts a lot of pressure on you if you are just starting out because there's rent associated with that. There's electricity associated with that. There's Wi-Fi. I mean, so you have to pay a whole bunch of expenses before you even have a business established and you have uh, income coming in. Now, that all being said, like, you know, I, I led with many of us are, are still working from home and that's totally legit. 
The thing is, is you want to actually set up a space that you can call an office, not just from an ability to facilitate working, which is actually very, very important um, to have a physical space that you call an office for all the psychological reasons that that implies, but also because you can um, deduct that from your taxes. So when you set up your space, anything that is um, the same percentage of that space to your overall home, assuming you own your home, I think it's different if you rent it, so you need to double check with an account on that, you can deduct that percentage from all your other bills. So for example, my desk is in a our, our living room. Now, it's interesting because you, your office space cannot double as a different space. So it can't double as a bedroom. So when my accountant found out I had a sleeper sofa, that was a big uh-oh. Now, I'm not going to leave my sleeper sofa out of our living room. So what I did was I just measured the space around the desk, a chair, and like my filing cabinet. That became my <laughs> quote-unquote office. And that square footage is now what I can use then to deduct from all of my other bills. So if you if, if that's confusing to you and you're not exactly sure what I just said, consult your accountant. They this is what they do. It should be the first thing that they would ask of you is okay. What's your what's your square footage of that you're deeming your office? And then that percentage you can then you know you could charge a percentage of your electricity, your wife, your Wi-Fi, your mortgage, my cleaning people. Like you can deduct all that um, as business expense. Um, you also may want to choose to get a P.O. box uh, just to keep your business mail separate from your personal personal mail. Similar to what we said about your finances, you know, sometimes you might just kind of keep a, a an air of nondescript. One, because having a P.O. box feels a little bit more official, but also you may not be wanting to give the world your personal you know, address to your home, depending on what you do. So um, that might also be, again, not a very expensive thing to do. Like, I think I pay $60 every six months for um, our P.O. box. So not very expensive, but it just provides a little bit more of a, uh, an official kind of behavior, but as well as kind of keeps you a little bit nondescript from from the whole entire world. And I just want to emphasize again the point about an office. Anne and I talk about this all the time. Where do we want to invest money? This is absolutely not somewhere to invest money. If you're going to invest any dollars, it needs to be working hard for the business and having and paying for an office space, even in those like, you know, common workplace spaces where you can rent a desk, all that kind of stuff. I mean, honestly, if you can get away without that expense, it just puts that much less pressure on you. And you, I mean, you really should reconsider if that's something that you think you're looking to do right now. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.